Today, we want to, we want to take our Bibles and we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we're looking at, uh, we've been looking at uh, what the Bible has to say about, about Christ through the first several chapters of 1 Corinthians. Uh, I want to, to kind of uh, take a step aside from that. Uh, this, of course, definitely has to do with Christ, and the preaching this morning will, have, will be full of preaching on Christ and, and so forth. But, uh, but I want to look at, at an, aspect that, uh, an aspect of the Christian life that we deal with, and, uh, an a, well, just an aspect of life in general, and that is, and that is sin. We deal with sin. People, uh, people uh, sin, and, and it, it's sad, but even after we're saved, we still sin. I wish that, I wish that we didn't, but we do. It's a reality. Uh, but we don't just say, well, it's going to happen. I'm going to sin, so, you know, it's all right. No, because Jesus came. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came to save his people from their sin. Gabriel told Joseph, uh, he said, he said uh, fear not, he said, to take unto thee Mary, uh, thy, thy wife, he said, uh, he said, for that which is, uh, I'm about to misquote it here, so I'll just kind of give you the gist of it. He said, that, uh, he said she's, she's going to bear a son. He said, when she gives birth to this son, he said, thou shalt call his name Jesus. The name Jesus means deliverer, means savior. He says, thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Not, not so we can sin and, and save his people uh, to be able to sin, but he shall save his people from their sins. It's uh, to, to deliver us from the power of sin and to deliver us from the penalty of sin. And I'm grateful that when we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we've experienced that. Uh, he, he's, he offers us salvation which delivers us from the power of sin. The Bible says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Praise the Lord for that. We're saved from the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. Uh, we, we don't have to face that uh, eternal death separated from God. And praise the Lord, one day we'll be saved from the presence of sin. Amen. And what a day that will be when we are, when we are caught up or, or taken out of here uh, through death. However Christ decides to do it in our lives, uh, I, I'm just looking forward to being with him. Amen. Uh, I wonder, did everybody get a bulletin this morning? Did you, everybody receive a bulletin? Uh, I want to make sure that you got that and we'll be talking more about what's inside there in just a few minutes. But if you will, pull out your, uh, pull out the outline for today and we'll get right into the message. Um, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians uh, that, uh, that the church uh, there in Corinth was dealing with a problem. Uh, and the problem was, was a terrible, terrible sin uh, in their midst. And, and many times we have the idea that churches in the New Testament, that they were just perfect churches. They were the model. You know, we, we talk about the New Testament church and the New Testament model. So we set these up as, as the bar, you know, for us to try to reach. But these were, these were churches full of people, just like Crosspoint is people. A church is just a gathering of people. It's an assembly of believers. Uh, and and uh, this assembly had, had problems in it, problems that they were facing. And we will uh, perhaps uh, face some face some problems in, in our midst. I, I pray that the Lord will help us to keep our eyes on Him so we can avoid some of these kinds of problems. But this is one of the reasons I believe the Lord wants us to be covering these, uh, these chapters through 1 Corinthians so that we'll know how when those problems arise, we'll know how to deal with it. 
and we can approach it in a right way. The Bible, the Bible does, not, does not tell us, that, uh, uh, tell us that, that God condones sin. And that's one of the things that, first of all, we need to, we need to remember. God does not condone sin. He's not going to promote it, and neither should we. Uh, we, we, uh, we learn as we, as we read the, the Word of God that, that sin, is, uh, sin is a problem in our lives. Sin uh, has, caused, has caused so much heartache and heartbreak uh, through the centuries, and, and it must be dealt with. It is the reason that Christ came to this earth. And uh, so as we get into this, uh, this, this morning, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask His help. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you for what you've already done in our midst. And I pray that you would help us today to, uh, to honor and glorify you. Help us to have our hearts open and receptive to your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would be glorified as we, as we hear your word and as your Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts today. And for all that you do, we'll be careful to give you the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, just before midnight on April 14th, 1912, uh, the Titanic... Uh, dubbed the world's most indestructible uh, luxury liner, uh, struck an iceberg which opened a gash in the side of it, and the, I believe it was the starboard side, uh, that eventually uh, caused the, the ship to go down and to sink uh, and resulted in the death of, of nearly a thousand or maybe over a thousand people. Uh, very, very sad situation, but it was, it was preventable. And that's, a, that is, that's one of the amazing things about the story. It was preventable. Uh, the, the captain had received word that, that there were icebergs out there, and, and he, being, a, being a captain of a ship, he should have known it because the waters he was going through were known to have, uh, to have icebergs uh, there. But uh, when, he, when he heard that, that there were icebergs, he, he disregarded the warning because he was in the world's most uh, indestructible luxury liner. And uh, he, had, he had a mission to accomplish, a mission uh, that he had set in his own heart and mind to, to beat the, t- the crossing time of the o- Olympic, which was a, a, a sister ship, I guess you would say, uh, to, uh, to the Titanic uh, that had previously crossed the Atlantic. And he wanted, to, he wanted to beat their time. And so full speed ahead was his command. And uh, his, his pride and, and his disregard of the warnings caused his ship to go down and caused the death of many people. Often we hear the preaching about sin. We we see the we we hear the warnings. We hear the word of God as it's as it's telling us what sin is, and and we disregard those warnings, thinking nothing's going to happen to me. I'm going to be okay. I don't have this problem. It's not going to be me. That might happen to somebody else, but it's not going to happen to me. And we all probably can tell stories of people that we know that refused to listen to the warning and not only was that, did it cost their spiritual testimony but it affected so many others and it might have even turned some away from hearing the gospel the bible tells us here in first corinthians it tells us that, uh, that there was a sin running rampant in the church there at Corinth, the Bible says, the Bible says, it is reported commonly that there's fornication among you. Such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. What a, what a horrible, horrible sin. 
was being committed, but uh, the problem was they, they weren't dealing with it. They were just letting it go. And they, they had bought into the lie that, that we, this is just normal in life and people sin and, and we can just overlook it. I'm not doing it and so everything's okay. I'm not going to put my nose in their business and just let them, let them do what they're going to do. But that's not the way that God's Word tells us to live our lives. We need to take a stand against sin. We need to, to know how to deal with sin. And in order to know how to deal with sin, we need to understand some things about sin. First of all, we need to understand that sin is deceitful. Sin is deceitful. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, But, uh, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest, that I- lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful, and it will, tell, it will tell you, you can get away with it. It'll tell you that you don't have to worry, that you will be the, you will be the one that, that, uh, that gets by with the sin. You can enjoy sin. Uh, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So uh, the, the Word of God tells us that sin is enjoyable. But it says it's for a season. And, and uh, when a season ends, then comes along the next season. And when, the, when the, there's a, a, the season of, of sowing uh, takes place, then there's the season of growing, and then there's the season of reaping. There's the reaping time. Harvest time will come. And sin is deceitful. It will tell you that you will get by with it. But mark it down. Sin will find you out. Let's not be deceived by sin thinking that we can get by with it. See, all are susceptible. All of us are susceptible to sin. When we see somebody overtaken in a fault, Galatians tells us to, uh, that ye which are spiritual, go to them and restore them in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It doesn't say look at them and throw your nose up in the air and kick dust on them and talk about how bad of a person they are and just reject them altogether. No, that's not what it says. Now, there is some strong action taken here by the church. Uh, Paul tells them to take some strong action concerning this one. uh, and, And I believe that the action that is taken here is a result of their previous response to the sin. But had they had they responded right to the sin in the first place, they wouldn't have had to take such drastic action here. See, all of us are susceptible. We'll get into that in just a minute. All of us are susceptible to sin. And we're susceptible to the consequences of it as well. Edwin Cooper was a man that, uh, w- that most Americans uh, did not know by name, but they knew him. Edwin, uh, Edwin was, was reared by parents who were circus clowns. And following in his parents' uh, oversized foot, pr- footsteps, uh, Edwin began performing uh, at, as a clown at the age of nine. And as time went on, uh, he, he uh, became an adult and he began, he began doing some work for Barnum & Bailey Circus and later started his very own children's television show and was known around the world as Bozo the Clown. 
and he would, he would entertain the young and old alike. And, and at the end of his show, every week, he would, he would close with, with uh, giving, a, giving a, a encouragement and telling everybody, be sure to get checked for cancer. Seems kind of out of place for a children's show, but he was encouraging them to, to do that because he loved his viewers. And, but in the busyness of his schedule and recording the show and making sure everything was lined up, he didn't heed his own advice. And at the young age, a very young age of 41, Edwin Cooper, Bozo the Clown, died from cancer because he didn't go get checked. He was warning everybody else, but he didn't take heed to his own advice. And many times we are busy uh, trying to help others and trying to warn others and trying to point out to others the things that are wrong and the dangers in their lives and we are not careful about the traps that Satan has set right there in front of us. And while we're warning them, we fail to remember that we are susceptible to sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh, the weakness in your flesh, uh, the, the, the tendency that we have to, to give in to sin. He says, For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members as servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. There was a time in our lives when, when we were under, the, under the, the power of sin. We were in the bondage of sin, and we did what sin told us to do. And we were free from righteousness, but now we've been set free from that, and we're not the servants of sin any longer. He, he said, he said uh, for as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members as servants uh, to God. We need to yield ourselves to God and stop yielding ourselves to sin. Sin is deceitful, uh, but, and uh, it will make us think that we're invincible, but we must remember that all are susceptible. Uh, and, and the proof of that is the fact that all have sinned. Every one of us have sinned. Even after we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we have sinned. And uh, we must not look at somebody that, is, that is, has, has fallen to a sin and, and act like that they are some lower life form or something because we are just as broken as they are. We've just yielded ourselves to God and allowed Him to begin putting the pieces back together. Now we who have experienced grace must reach out to them and ex extend to them grace so that they can know the same forgiveness that we have experienced. And uh, we, we've got to remember that all have sinned. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sin is deceitful. Secondly, sin is dangerous. It's nothing to be trifled with. It's nothing to, to play around with. Um, the, uh, we have a tendency to believe that, that we, can, we can play with sin and we can enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season and, and get by with some of the things going on there. But I, I, read, I read this week as, as I was doing, some, uh, doing the preparation for this, uh, talk, uh, reading different, uh, different things about sin, uh, I read a quote that I thought was, was kind of humorous. Dr. John R. Rice said, All Satan's apples have worms. 
So everything that Satan presents to us as fun and as, as enjoyable, remember, it, it's, it's got something in there that's not, that's not going to be pleasant. You know what's, wor- you know what's worse than, than an apple with a wor- finding an apple with a, uh, finding a worm in your apple? You know what's worse than that? Finding half a worm in your apple. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> sin is dangerous. Sin is, if, if we play around with it, if we begin to make excuses for sin, if we let down our guard and don't, don't uh, realize how deceitful sin can be, then that sin can creep into our hearts. It can, it can come into our lives. The Bible warns us to put on the whole armor of God. And one of the pieces of the armor is the breastplate of righteousness to protect our hearts because, because Satan is throwing his fiery darts trying to reach us and trying to get those sins in our heart because mine eye affected my heart and out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh and, and it's out of the heart that uh, cometh the issues of life. The things that we do, it's because it's what's in our hearts. And we need to, we need to understand that sin is dangerous in our hearts. The, uh, it, when, when it gets in our hearts, Matthew 15, verse 18 says, But those things which proceed out of, the, out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things that come forth out of our heart. We need to not be deceived and, uh, because sin is dangerous. And if we allow sin to, to creep into our lives, it will, it will infect our lives and it will lead us to more and more sin. It's been said sin will take, you, uh, will, will take you further than you ever want to go. Sin will keep you longer than you ever want to stay. And sin will cost you far more than you ever want to pay. It's dangerous. So let's stay away from it. But what happens when, when an individual who is, who is saved as a, a child of God allows that sin in their life? You're bringing that not only into your life, but you're bringing it into your home and you're going to infect your home. But it'll go even further than that. It can infect the house of God. We should be concerned about our testimony and how, how we are, are being used to, to uh, take the gospel to the world around us and how our testimony will be limited by the sin that we bring into our lives. But when we bring the sin into our homes and bring the sin into the house of God, then it, then it, uh, it places us in a very, very dangerous position. Because we've been conditioned in this society today to not say anything about what somebody's doing wrong because we might make them feel bad. We might make them think that we think that they're an evil and horrible person. But that's not the case. We're we're concerned about the sin in their life. But if we in the house of God do not deal with the sin, then that sin will permeate and it will go through and pollute every one of us in here. And then it, goes, it gets spread out there. Notice it says here in our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, it is reported commonly. That means the word's out. 
Paul was not in Corinth when he was writing this. Paul was in Rome. I'm sorry, uh, Paul, no, Paul wrote Romans from, uh, from Corinth. Uh, Paul was somewhere else when he wrote the book of, Cor- of, of Corinthians. Uh, but uh, Paul, uh, Paul had, had caught word that, that this was going on in the church in Corinth. The word was out. And if it had reached Paul those hundreds of miles away, I know that it, per- that it got out into the community around him. I mean, for somebody to do something so horrible as to be, as to be uh, living as husband and wife with his father's wife? What a terrible and a gross sin. That kind of thing is going to spread around the community. But the problem is, it'll affect the church's effectiveness. Because the church is going around, the Christians and the believers, they're going around through the community saying, Jesus Christ can make a difference in your lives. And then the world looks and says, yeah, he leads us to do that. What kind of testimony is that for Christ? Certainly not a good one, is it? See, the world world has an understanding of, of what Christianity is supposed to be. They have an understanding of how we are supposed to live our lives. And in fact, we have, a te- we have a tendency to hold them to a very high standard and want them to live holy lives and, and righteous lives. And we'll get upset if Starbucks doesn't put a, a God bless you and a Merry Christmas on their cups and, and all that. And we'll, and we'll just blast them and we'll protest them and get upset if Target doesn't make decisions that we think are, are biblical and Christian. And, and we'll hold them to a biblical standard. But if they begin to hold us to holiness and righteousness, we say, oh, you're just being, you're just being uh, intolerant and unreasonable, and you don't know what you're talking about. You're lost anyway. But the truth is, they have a right to hold us to a very high standard. Because God has held us to a very high standard. He says, be ye holy, for I am holy. It's required of us by God. And how can we show them the difference that Jesus Christ can make in our lives if we are not living a life that is changed by Christ? This sin is dangerous because it it pollutes the person's life and it will defile and and it it will destroy their life. But it will also it will also destroy every one of us and our effectiveness. I, I, could, I could name off, uh, right, right now off the top of my head, half a, dozen, half a dozen ministries, churches, that have collapsed because sin was not dealt with. Because the person was tempted. The Bible says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. We allow our, our lust, our base desires to draw us into sin. The Bible goes on to say in James chapter 1, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. He said, make no mistake about it. Sin brings forth death. And it can bring death even to the house of God. 
We've been excited about the, about the ministry of Cross Point Baptist Church and, and uh, getting off the ground and, and starting going and getting the word out and people coming in. And, and what a blessing it was uh, last week to see two adult visitors come as a result of, of some of our outreach efforts. And, and what a blessing that was to see, to see, one, uh, to see every week us having, uh, having visitors come to, the, uh, to our services every Sunday. And, and we're excited to see what God is doing in Pasadena as a result of answers to prayer. But just as quickly as it started and just as, as, as much as, as, as the, the momentum has already begun to, uh, to, to build, we can, see it, we can see it collapse like a house of cards if we don't deal with sin in our lives. And if we allow that sin to continue and to grow and to fester and to pollute us and to pollute our homes and to pollute the house of God. We've got good news. Sin does not have to defeat us because sin is defeated. Amen. Sin has already been defeated. Uh, it's been uh, sin has been defeated by Christ. Uh, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter five: For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Jesus Christ defeated sin and has, has reconciled us to God. He has brought our relation, He's made it possible for us to have a relationship with God once again because, uh, because of His death, because of the shedding of His blood. Christ has reconciled us to God and, and has made it possible for us to live in that victory. Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Sin is defeated by Christ. Secondly, sin is defeated on the cross. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, praise the Lord, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Jesus Christ won the victory for us through, uh, through his holy life and, and through his righteousness. But he won that victory when he gave himself this, as the sinless, spotless sacrifice there on the cross and shed his blood. Uh, uh, the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And Jesus Christ won the victory for us there on the the cross when he shed his blood and he cried out and said it is finished he won the victory over death hell and the grave and and the bible says he spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it so we see that sin uh, we see that sin is deceitful, and, and we understand that, and we, we say, I don't want to be deceived by sin. We see that sin is dangerous, and we don't want to fall prey to the danger of sin, and we see that sin is defeated, but what does that mean to me? What does that mean to you? Is that just some Bible principles that we can read and, and rejoice that Jesus won the victory over sin, or is it something that can be applied to us? And it can be applied to us. First of all, it's applied to us in the fact that I can be forgiven. 
The very fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross uh, to pay for our sins shows us that he had a purpose in dying on the cross, and that was to forgive us. Because he wanted us to be able to be reconciled to God. And in order to be reconciled to God, we must be forgiven. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. Hey, we're forgiven. Not only, not only can I be forgiven, but, it, but this also means that I can be free. No longer do I have to be a servant to sin. No, and and even, if, even if after having been forgiven of my sins, if I have yielded myself as a servant to sin and I have gotten uh, back involved in some sin, uh, that doesn't mean that I've lost my relationship with Christ. I'm still a child of God. Praise the Lord for that. But the fellowship is strained and I've yielded myself as a servant to sin. But I can be free from that. I don't have to be, I don't have to give in to sin. I don't have to obey sin. Uh, sin shall not have dominion over you for you're not under the law, but under grace. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 36, if the Son therefore uh, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Amen. Aren't you glad to be free from sin? Aren't you glad to know that you can, you can experience the freedom from sin? Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 18, Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Praise the Lord. When were we set free from sin? Then. When? When we trusted Christ as our Savior. Hey, we were set free from our sin. That's what it means to me. What does it mean to me? It means that I can that I uh, that uh, it means that I can be forgiven and I can be free. So what do I do? What do we do now? Well, if we're if we're if we have sin in our life, or if perhaps you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, what we need to do is we need to come to the Savior. You need to come to Him. He's, he's wanting you, He's longing for you to come to Him. He's calling for you and, and drawing you to come unto Him. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So if, you are, if you're a child of God and you've, been, and you've gotten involved in, in some sin, you've yielded yourself as a servant to sin, uh, Jesus, says, Jesus says, come on back. Come on back into fellowship with me. I'll forgive you. We'll, we'll walk in that renewed freedom. Hey, come to me and I'll give you rest. To the sinner, Jesus says, come to me. I'll forgive your sin. I'll remove it as far as the east is from the west. I'll make it just as if you'd never sinned. I'll, I'll restore you. I, and I'll, I'll give you a relationship to, uh, with God your Father. And, and he, he says, I'll save you. Hey, come to him. Just come. Come to the Savior. Hey, confess your sin. When you come to him, hey, don't, don't just come and say, all right, here I am. No, we need to come humbly and confess our sin. Uh, we confess our sin to Him. The Bible says, uh, the Bible says in 1 John 1 9, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I love that. He's faithful. That means He'll do it every time. And He's just. That means He's got He has the right and the authority to do it. And it, it is, it is uh, it is legal, it is right, it is godly for Him to uh, it is justifiable for Him to forgive us of our sins sins and to cleanse us 
from all unrighteousness. He'll, he'll wash us clean in His blood and make, it, and make it just as if we'd never sinned. Never, never experience sin. Never fail uh, to sin. Once we come to Him and we confess our sin, what do we do next? What's our next step? Well, our next step is to abandon our burden and uh, that, that guilt and sin at the cross. Whenever we've, whenever we've bowed before Him and, and said, Lord, I'm sorry, I, I've sinned, I've, I've, I've done wrong. I, I, I realize that, uh, Christ, you were judged for my sin at Calvary, but I, I need to confess my sins. I need to confess my faults to you. I need to, to, uh, to humble myself and admit what I have done that's wrong. Lord, please, please, Lord, would you forgive me? Would you strengthen me and help me? Then when we finish saying that, we get up from there, and we don't pick up that load of sin we don't pick up that burden and that guilt from what we had done because Jesus Christ has taken it. So we need not burden ourselves down with that any longer. We need not carry that around with us anymore and, and, and be weighed down by the fact of what we used to be. The Bible tells us if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. When we come to, to Him, and when we come to the cross, and we come to, to the Savior, and we confess our sin, hey, let's abandon that burden of sin and guilt right there. Let's, let's leave it with Him. Cast our care on Him, for He cares for you. Then daily decide to walk with Him and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Daily decide to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13, Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. He's, he's not going to guide you to go away that's not pleasing unto God. He's going to lead you, as the Bible says in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. For His name's sake. He's going to lead us in paths of righteousness. Did you get that? We say we're Christian. They hear that we're Christian. They're watching the Christians to see what Christians are going to do. And as we Christians follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, then we are going to do what Christians ought to do. And the name of Christ is, is preserved. The name of Christ is uplifted. And He is honored and glorified through our lives. But if we, if we do not follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, but if we go our own way and do our own thing and follow after sin, then the name of Christ is blasphemed blasphemed by those that are without. So for His name's sake, we follow the Holy Spirit. And that's a daily decision. And not just, and really, I found in my own life, it's not just something I decide in the morning when I get up. I have to decide it in the morning and then probably about five minutes later. And then, uh, and then a few minutes after that, and, and then on throughout the day, everything that I'm faced, I have, to, I, have to, I have to decide. I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do. Do I always? I wish I did. But we must decide. 
What's next? As we decide to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and we let others see the change. We live before them in the way that He's leading us to live. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Bible says in Matthew 5.16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We need to let others see the change. We need to, we need to allow others to, to see what Christ has done in us. This guy in Corinth didn't do that. And the word got out. And no doubt it took time for the church in Corinth to correct their testimony in the community. But it's best if we deal with it before it, before it becomes a problem like this. When it's something small, we can, we can deal with that. But when it becomes a huge mess, that's got to be cleaned up. If it's anything like the messes that my boys made when they were babies and throwing food and spewing stuff everywhere, I mean, it'll, it'll get in all the cracks and crevices and corners and everywhere. I mean, you'll be finding it for months. We dare not play around with sin. And let it make a mess. What a mess it made there in Corinth. And they had to get in there and they had to, they had to take some strong, some strong, decisive action. And they did. And their decisive action worked. But oh, what could have been? What could have been if, if a young man who was tempted to fall into immorality had followed the example of Joseph and said, no, I'm not going to do that. And what, what could it have been if, if, if a body of believers saw a young man who was overtaken in a fault and, and they went to him and said, hey, what you're doing is sin, it's not right. And they encouraged him to do right before it became such a mess in the community. I want to challenge us today. Let's deal with sin while it's, while it's at the temptation level. Because if we buy into its lie and we begin to play with it, it will grow up and it will be a, it will be a beast that will devour you. And destroy your life. Destroy your testimony and damage the effectiveness of the, the house of God. But I'm glad that we don't have to give in to sin. I'm grateful that Jesus Christ saw the problem that sin was for us. He saw that we could not fight sin on our own. So he came and gave himself for us. And then not only did He give Himself for us, but God gave Himself to us. We have God, the Holy Spirit, living within us to help us to deal with sin. Let's bow and thank Him for that. Heavenly Father, I just want to praise You.
I want to praise you for the plan that you have. Lord, we see in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 the, the damage that can take place. We see the, we see the, the, the trouble that comes along when, when and, the, and the, the drastic steps of action that have to take place when somebody, uh, when somebody gives in to sin and when a church just overlooks the sin. Lord, help us, never to, help us never to fall prey to that. Help us to deal with sin in its infant stage, so to speak. Help us to deal with it before it, before it uh, takes hold in our lives. Help us to deal with it and to put it out of our hearts and lives. And Lord, I, I pray that even right now, that in this moment, you would, you would bring to our minds, each, each and every one of us, our, uh, bring to our minds the sin which does so easily beset us. And those sins that, that, we'll, uh, that, that we have a tendency to give in to that will destroy us. And help us right now in this moment to, conf- to come to you, humble ourselves before you, and to confess it as sin. And help us, Lord, to, to abandon it there at the cross. And to leave here today in victory, deciding, determining, that we are going to glorify you and to follow your leading and let others see the change that you make in our lives. Lord, we're, we're celebrating Thanksgiving this week. We're going to be gathered with friends and family and, and rejoice in the goodness of God. I pray that in that gathering, our friends and family will see the difference that you have made in us. And that through that, many will come to know you as their Lord and Savior. Lord, help us to yield to you so that you have the glory and the honor in our lives rather than sin winning the victory. In Jesus' name, amen.